to the book of, of uh, Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus chapter 23, we are still going through the Feast of Jehovah and a uh, Feast of the Lord, and, and they're listed in Leviticus chapter 23. And so we're going to uh, just pick it up there this morning at about verse 26. Let me just say this to you that uh, we have just, I, I, I feel absolutely positive the Lord is leading us to have a fall harvest jubilee camp meeting out here on the 26th of September through the first day of October. That's a Friday night through a Sunday night. And uh, with the emphasis on the second coming of Jesus Christ and of reaching people as a result of that reality of reaching people for Christ in these closing days. Uh, so Leviticus chapter 23, and let's pick it up at verse number 26. So the Lord spake unto Moses, saying also on the 10th day of the seventh month, there shall be a day, and underline your Bible, of atonement. Atonement. It shall be an holy convocation unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls, and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And ye shall do no work in that same day, for it is a day of atonement, to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whatsoever soul it shall be that shall not be afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people. And whatsoever soul shall be that doth any work on that same day, the same soul will I destroy from among his people. Ye shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. It shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest, and ye shall afflict your souls in the ninth day of the month at evening, and at evening, from evening unto evening shall ye celebrate your Sabbath. Now I want you to go back to the 16th chapter of the book of Leviticus. And it's in the 16th chapter where he's going to talk in detail about the Feast of Atonement. Now I want to remind you today that God gave Israel seven feasts of the Lord. And it ran from the spring, early spring to the late fall. God gave them as feasts. They were not, uh, there was some time, in, like in this one here, of affliction and mourning. But you know, if somebody invites you to a feast, it's not necessary. You don't think you're going there for a bad time. God wants you to enjoy your salvation. God wants you to enjoy the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants you to enjoy your faith. You can't make me believe that he doesn't. I know there are trials. I know there are troubles. I know there's problems in life. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to let the devil cheat me out of having a good time serving the Lord. It's the best life there is. It's the only life there is. It's the only thing that makes life worth living. And God said, you know, in the midst of all this work that you're doing and all this stuff, I want you to come apart at certain times and I'm going to give you feasts to observe. But in these feasts, I'm going to teach you some doctrinal truths about myself and the salvation that I provide you and my plan for the ages. And so when it comes to chapter 6, he says, 16, I'm sorry, Leviticus chapter 16, and the Lord spake unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they offered before the Lord and died. Now, concerning that, these people, the sons of Aaron, had decided that they were going to worship God their way, Terry. And they were going to do things their way. And God killed them because they perverted uh, the worship of God and the sacrifices and the offerings. So in verse 2, and the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place. Now, uh, here's, I want to make a, a statement. First of all, let me say this. If you're listening online or you're here today, we're not here to play mind games with you. We're not, we don't have any tricks up our sleeve. We don't have any twisting and subtle ways of trying to get you to, I don't tell you, God is light and in him is no darkness. And we're very plain about the gospel and very plain about the word of God. So we're not here to fool with your mind. All right. I don't like that stuff. Yeah. I tell you right now, and, and uh, I just, I don't, I don't want you sitting here thinking, well, how are they going to deal? They're going to try to smooth me around. That's not it. 
We just want to give you the word of God and let the spirit of God work with you and through you and, and get it done. Amen. Feed the flock of God. If you're here and lost, want you to be saved. If you're saved, want you to grow in the Lord and, and get help from God. Now, God told him, he said, now, and then I want to say, secondly, if you do not have somewhat of a background on the Old Testament tabernacle, it's, it's, it's a little harder to get a hold of this. Okay. So I hope that those of you do, if you don't, you'll make up your mind. I'm going to stay the tabernacle a little bit, get hold of it. But the tabernacle was a system in which God ordained and prescribed their worship. And it had to be exactly according to the pattern. You didn't mess with it. You do it God's way. All right. In the New Testament, Jesus is the way. You don't go any other way. And so he said, you don't mess with this. And God gave him explicit, explicit instructions about it. Now, he said to Moses, he said, you tell Aaron that he come not at all times into the holy place. The holy place here, the most holy place was the tabernacle was three parts. It was a rectangular type place. And I'll, I'll just do it up here on the board for you. It was a rectangular type building. Or, 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 or compound and it had a fence around it made of linen, the post and all that it had a gateway up here then it had a building inside of it that was two sections and this, it had the holy place and then the most holy place and the most holy place is where the Ark of the Covenant was and that's where God's presence was for the children of Israel this speaks of several things this outer court speaks of your body this holy place speaks of your soul, and this most holy place speaks of your spirit, Amen. all right? You are a triune being made in the image of God. God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and you're made in the image of God. When God saves a person, he does not start with your body. God doesn't say, now you fix your body up and I'll save you. God goes directly to your spirit. And God, that's why we talk about Jesus told Nicodemus, said to man, be born of the spirit. Your, your spirit, with, until you're saved, your spirit is dead to God. You're dead in trespassing sins and you're not alive unto God. You're spiritually dead. When God saves you, when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, come to God admitting you're a guilty, wicked, hell-deserving sinner, not playing games with God, but you want to be reconciled to God, and you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that he died for you on the cross, bore your sin in his own body, was buried and rose again the third day, and you place your trust in him as your Savior, God, by his Holy Spirit, God the Holy Ghost, births a new person in Jesus Christ, and God dwells in you then by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what we call the new birth. Now, and then God begins to work out in your soul. He changes the way you think, the way you act, the way you conduct yourself, your whole viewpoint of life. And then that will ultimately affect the, your body, how you dress and how you appear and what you do and where you go and what you don't do and so forth of that nature. Now, so you have to have to understand the tabernacle. So when they worship... Uh, out, when, they, when a family came to worship, they came in through the gate. Jesus, I said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. And there was a, a brazen altar there. And they brought their lambs and their sacrifice. And it was slain right there. And the blood was shed. And the life was taken. It was a picture of substitution, which is what the gospel is all about. Jesus died in our place for our sin. He is our substitute, our sacrifice. We can, you dying, you, you going to hell doesn't pay for your sin. You suffering doesn't pay for your sin. There's only one thing to pay for your sin. 
sin and take away the sin debt, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. So when you when you uh, brought that lamb, that priest he slew the lamb, then the, took the blood, and then there was what's called a laver, which was where you get your bathroom laver idea from. You washed in that. So this picture is the cross. This picture is the Bible, where you wash in the water of the Word, and the holy place is where you worshipped, and in it was the was the candlestick that you had light. God gives light uh, concerning Himself and light about life, and then He was the bread. They had the bread, and you feed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then they had the altar of incense right here, and He is our advocate, and intercessor, and, and how we approach God. So that's a kind of a quick deal on the tabernacle. There's thousands of more stuff about that, but you have to understand that when He's talking to Moses here about what to tell Aaron to do, He's talking about going into that holy place. He said, "You don't just come in here. Listen to me. Anytime you want to." The Feast of Atonement, that day on the 10th of the tenth day of the seventh month was the only day of the entire year that anybody could go inside that most holy place. And that was once a year and it was the, the high priest and he was not to go in there without blood. Now he was to shed blood for himself, his own sins, and he was to shed blood for the sins of the people. And they went in there and they sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat, which is a picture of the throne of God, turning it from a throne of judgment against sin to a throne of mercy and a throne of grace where you could receive the forgiveness of your sins by the sacrifice and the substitute and the death of another in your place. So he said there, he said that within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not for I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with the, here's how he said you come, with a young bullock, a sin offering, and a ram for a burnt offering. And he shall put on the holy linen coat, and he shall receive the, have the linen breeches upon his flesh, and shall be girded with a linen girdle, and with a linen mitre shall he be attired, and these are the holy garments. Therefore he shall wash his flesh in water, and so put them on. And he shall take of the congregation, the children of Israel, two kids of the goats for a sin offering, and one ram for a burnt offering. And Aaron shall offer the his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. There it is for himself, a sin offering for himself, but the bullock make an atonement for himself for his house. Now keep that in mind. These were earthly human beings of the tribe of Aaron. They were men who were selected for the priesthood of God. And God said, before you mess with anything else, you take care of your own sin. That's a good idea. Amen. And, uh, but he said there in verse number seven, he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord in the door of the tabernacle of congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goat, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Now the term scapegoat comes from the Bible. It, it's what it means is that somebody took, somebody was able to get loose and go free uh, while you took the heat. Okay. This goes on in court all the time. You know, somebody will, you know, spill the beans if I get off. See, I, and they become the scapegoat for the person. Now, that's just a light reference to it. Now, I'm not going to continue reading the, all of that chapter, but it's going to tell you what the priest did, everything that he did in this Feast of Atonement and on the Day of Atonement. I think I mentioned here last week that in 1973, on that date, the Jewish people call this uh, feast Yom Kippur. And in 1973, the Arab nations, all of them that surround Israel, attacked uh, uh, Israel on Yom Kippur. Why did they do it? Because it was the holy high day. It was the highest day of their, of their entire nation. Everything shuts down over there. The elevators don't even go up and down. And they chose, the Arabs, the Muslims chose that day because they knew that the Jewish people 
would be the least on guard that day. And I'm telling you, so if you go back to the Yom Kippur War in 1973, you'll see what I'm talking about. But that kind of gives you an idea of how holy this day is to those people. Now, I want you to uh, go with me and just look at something here. Let's go back and look at the feast. In the spring, you had the first four feasts, Passover, which speaks of Calvary, where Jesus, the Lamb of God, died for, this, for your sins. After that, you had the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That was the next day. That speaks of several things. It speaks of Jesus Christ had no leaven in him. He was the sinless Son of God. Amen. It also speaks of the fact that after you and I are saved, that sin ought to be put out of our lives. Amen. Then the, thir- the 17th day of the month was first fruits. That's the day Jesus rose from the dead. And the first fruits, and the first Corinthians 15 tells you it's Christ the first fruits. And you and I will be in the harvest. Now, then 50 days from then, you had the Feast of Pentecost. And the, feast of, the word Pentecost means 50. It's a number word. It means 50. 50 days after the Passover, you had Pentecost. And that's when the Holy Spirit of God came down in Acts chapter 2, empowering the church to carry the gospel to the world. After, that, after these four spring feasts, you have what's called the harvest or four months. There's a reason that Jesus said in John chapter four and verse 35 through 38, say ye not there yet four months unto harvest. Lift up your eyes for the fields are white unto harvest. Now, this period of time right here is a time when the church is to be preaching the gospel, carrying the gospel and having a harvest time of harvest of souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why this fall in September, we're calling it the fall harvest jubilee camp meeting and we're going to try to have a harvest for the lord jesus christ between now and then in fact you listen to people talk about it here a while ago when two people got saved yesterday out in visitation that is part of the harvest going on the church is not to be sitting around looking at the seed in the barn we're to be getting the seed out of the barn and scattering the seed of god that's why this church every way we know how to we're trying to get the seed of the gospel of god sown into the hearts and minds of those who are lost to make so the Holy Spirit of God can quicken them and bring eternal life to them. Now, last week we said after the four month period in the year, they had the Feast of Trumpets. And that speaks of the second coming of Jesus Christ. The trump of God shall sound and the dead in Christ shall be raised. And that feast speaks of trumpets. Now, this first fourth feast spoke primarily to the church. The last three feasts speak primarily to Israel, but they do have an application to the church. And that is that the church will be caught out. And now we're at, the, we're at the sixth feast today called the Feast of Atonement. Primarily, the Feast of Atonement in your Bible has to do with the nation Israel. In Romans chapter 11, it tells you, you see, whenever Jesus died on the cross, the Jewish people said his blood, they, Jesus came unto his own, Israel, and his own received him not. The Bible teaches that when they said his blood be upon us and our children, Israel rejected the Messiah. God set them aside in spiritual privilege. They had been to that point in spiritual privilege. And the church was birthed, which composed of believing Jews and Gentiles. And you and I are in the church period right now of harvest of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there's coming a day, and in Romans chapter 11, the entire chapter is about this, in the book of Hosea and in the book of Zechariah 
the 12th chapter and the 13th chapter and in many other passages in the Old Testament prophets who saw beyond the church age, they prophesy of a day when the Jewish people will look upon him whom they pierced and they will believe on their Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, and Israel will be converted to the, G- the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you something, they will come back into spiritual privilege with God and they will go into the thousand year reign, which is the, fi- the feast of tabernacles, into a rest in Jesus Christ. There will be a day when the blinders that is in Israel right now will be taken off and they will see Jesus Christ as who he is, the Messiah of Almighty God. So that's what you're talking about when you're talking about the feast. It is a prophetic picture of God's plan for the ages. That's what it is. So, but you say, Reggie, what is it secondarily and practically to the church and all humanity? It is a picture of our salvation and what God does to save you and I. I want you now to take your Bibles and guys, if you put up Romans chapter five, and then we're going to take off now in Leviticus 17, 11, they won't put this up, but the Bible said that, uh, that it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. I want to make a flat footed, bald faced statement right here that you cannot be saved apart from the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It's with the, without the shedding of blood is no remission of sin. Now in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1, the Bible said, being therefore, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, this is a one good chapter I'm telling you right now. And the Bible said in chapter 5 and verse number 1 there, too, it said, by all, whom also Jesus Christ, we have access. Now watch this. God was in the Holy of Holies. By the way, this tabernacle is a picture of the true tabernacle that is in heaven. And God showed the pattern to Moses. He said, I want you to make an earthly tabernacle that reflects the true tabernacle that is in heaven. And this place here, what's this word access by whom Jesus Christ, how by faith, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, this amazing grace that we sung about, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. This morning, you and I have hope, and that's not wishing. It is the knowing that what God said he would do, he will do, that he doesn't break his promises, and we know that we have an eternal home with Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then it said in verse number three, not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Now, I don't like that part of it, but anyway, also knowing that tribulation works patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will some die yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. Watch verse number 8. If you're here and lost I want you to get this verse. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. Watch this now. Much more than being now justified, made innocent in the court of God by his blood, justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We tell you, when God saves you, he saves you from his wrath. God is a holy God, a just God, and sin cannot enter his presence. And he, he's not like judges and courts and juries nowadays. God's going to punish sin. And he will miss nothing. Every thought, every thought you've ever thought is going to be brought into judgment. Every word, that's what your Bible says. Isn't that right or not? Say amen right there. Every thought you've ever thought, every word you've ever said, every deed you've ever done, every motive you've ever had, every attitude you've ever had will be brought into the judgment of the Lord. He will miss, everything will be brought into the light, the Bible says. Yeah. 
All things are naked and open with him to whom we have to do. When Jesus died for you and shed his blood, it was to save you from the wrath of God. That's what it was about. Now, for if when we were enemies, and if you're not saved, you're an enemy of God. We were reconciled. Here's this word. Now, the word atonement is three words put together. It's an old English word. This compound word, at one meant. This is interesting. The Bible said when a man and woman gets married, the two shall be what? One. One. Christ is the church. Christ is the bridegroom the groom, and the church is the, is the bride. And when the, and the church is to be at one with Jesus Christ. That's why your Bible said that he is the head of the church and we're the body. That's the one. All right. But he is the head. Now watch this. He said, not only so, but we, by the way, for when we were in, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. So the word reconciliation, what, how did we get at one moment? How did you and I, and here's a basic truth the whole world needs to get back to. Are you listening? Man's problem is that he is separated from God by his sin and his rebellion. He is separated. When Adam and Eve sinned, boom, separation. Sin always separates you from God. And so man has, man's basic problem is that because of his sin, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because of that sin, you are separated from God. Songs like, me and Jesus, we got our own thing. Go-. No, you don't. That Songs like that are slop out of hell. You and Jesus don't have your own thing going. It's Jesus' thing and that's it. You're either with Jesus and his thing and his way. It ain't you and Jesus. And you ain't got your own thing going. You've got the Bible thing going. And you ain't got nothing going. Amen. And we need to get away from this junk. Well, everybody's got their own ideas. No, no it don't. There's God's thoughts and God's ideas and God's truth. And that's it. Your opinion's like mine. Doesn't work to pound a spit. Amen. I tell you what, I'm feeling like a holy roll. I'm getting about fired up here. Amen. I'll tell you something. You know when I'm preaching, I can tell when the devil's getting mad. You start preaching on the blood and the sacrifice, and you start preaching on the truth, and the devil be like a roach crawling up through the carpet, look like that. Amen. But I'll tell you something right now. We need to understand there in verse. He said, "Not only so, we join God through our Lord Jesus. What's this? By whom we have now received what." Fellas, I don't know where you went to, but it was Lululand. No, you went to Numbers. But it, the, the word there is atonement in verse number 11. By which you, it's, it's Romans chapter 5, if you can find it. By the which we were, there we go, there. You know, you've been watching me play with computers, haven't you? I never hit nothing right, amen. Everything I hit goes, don't work, don't work, don't work. Anyway, not only so, but by, uh, we also joy in God. Some of you wonder why I have the joy of the Lord. I'll tell you why I've got joy. I'm saved. Amen. I've had the atonement. Watch this. Join God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom Christ we have now. Now received the atonement. We are brought at one with God. Amen. Through the feast of atonement. The Lord Jesus Christ. Well, well, some of you need to get out of your, your you need to get with it. Amen. I'll tell you, if you're saved, you'd get happy about this. Now, so here's what happened. That priest would come in there. Man, he went through all kinds, of, I think five different washings. Be either brother Bethel, and then he got the bullock for himself, and then he got the two kid goats, and one of them was kept alive, and he was carried the sins away in the wilderness, and the other one was slaughtered, and his blood was sprinkled upon the mercy, and all the instruments of the thing are now. 
The high priest entered that holy place once a year on the day of atonement in, uh, with the blood from those animals, which is a picture of Jesus in the future, the Lamb of God. And he sprinkled it upon that mercy seat. Now, making that a throne of grace and a throne of mercy versus a throne of judgment. Now, I want you to go, sir, something this morning. Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. These feasts, and it's particularly the Feast of Atonement, is a prerequisite to understanding the book of Hebrews. Now, it's a divine commentary on Luke 16. So we're going to pick this thing up this morning. Now, what I'm preaching about is what you and I have through the atonement. Now, in the Passover, watch this, the man was to kill the lamb and put the blood on the door and God would, would pass over them as a basis of that. And the emphasis there is the person obeying the Lord in bringing a blood sacrifice in his place. But when you get to the atonement, the atonement is special. There's a reason in the Jewish holidays that this is considered day above all days. It is because the atonement expresses our redemption and our salvation from God's perspective of what God did, not what man is responsible for. And boy, I want to tell you something. This is rich and this is shouting ground and hallelujah ground this morning. And I pray that the Holy Ghost will enlighten our eyes. Now, in Hebrews, this book is written primarily to the Hebrew people, the Jewish people. Okay? Now, it's written to everybody, but primarily to the Hebrews. What was it about? Why did they write the epistle of Hebrews to them? Well, here was what going on. You had... Uh, the Jewish people had abandoned God. They had got all these traditions and rituals and hypocrisy and all this junk. And they had what's called Judaism, okay? And so these, they were raised in all that. Still, still today it's out there. Well, the, Jesus Christ, who was a Jew, became the Messiah, fulfilled everything Messiah. And he uh, led his disciples and so forth. And people were getting saved. Jewish people were getting saved. And the gospel, now watch this. Those people were under the first covenant, which is the law. Man, that was a big thing. And they did all this stuff the law said to do. Now, here's something you need to know. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all the law. Run, John, run. The law demands, but it gives me neither feet nor hands. Far better news the gospel brings. It bids me fly and gives me wings. And so what, they were having trouble. Now, you listen to me. They were having trouble leaving Judaism for Christ. Right. Some of you got the same problem. You just don't know it. Right. Some of you need to leave religion. I had a, a, some folks that contacted me this morning. And they have left a particular religion, been saved, left this religion. And uh, now they told me this morning that they've been entirely cut off by those people. And they want, and the reason they don't want anything more with them because they're putting our broadcast so those other people can see it, but they want to stop that. But here's what happens. It's not easy to walk away from what you were raised in. It is not easy to walk away. If you were raised Mormon, it's not easy to walk away from that. You know, if your mom and dad's in that, your uncles are in that, or Jehovah Witness, or Muslim, or it doesn't make it, or Protestant, or Baptist, or Pentecostal. I don't care what your name is, you're raised in something, it's kind of hard to get loose from that. And when you find out the truth, that is in Jesus Christ. So here's what was happening. These people were kind of doing this, they were tiptoeing up to the gospel. And they were, well, it looks good, it sounds good, 
But boy, I don't know. But you know, if I if I go for the gospel, if I go for Jesus Christ, my mom and daddy might disown me. I might lose a lot of friends. My folks won't have anything to do with it. If I go for the gospel and leave that all that stuff behind, and they were tiptoeing up and they were tasting it. And they were got check your Bible literally says that they tasted of the of the things of God. And they were kind of reaching out and trying to make up their mind and they were more than like they knew, man, this is the truth, but oh my goodness, I hate to leave my old way. This can apply to you if you're just lost. You're back here in the world. And you've heard the gospel and you know that you ought to be saved and, and you know there's something more life and you know there's a reality to God, but you're just kind of afraid to really, to really get saved. I'm talking about just jump off the cliff and leave it all behind and trust Christ as your Savior because you're still looking around. And this is the whole deal of Hebrews about it. Now, so when he comes into it, he's trying to tell these Hebrew people there's a better covenant and there's a better hope and there's better this and better that. And you said the word better all the way to Hebrews. Well, then he comes down to there's a better priest. Oh, That's right. now, let me tell you how to, uh, how, how to win Roman Catholics. Yeah. Roman Catholic can be won to Christ by making him understand the priesthood. Yeah. And you don't have to be on your mean or nothing about it because most of them are very, very sincere about their beliefs. And when they find out that there's a priest, his name is Jesus Christ, and that's the only high priest they need and that all that other stuff is nonsense and that Mary's not, there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, and the Holy Ghost turns the light bulb on them people. I'm going to tell you something. They'll get saved and become some of the best Christians you've ever seen. Well, so we're picking it up in chapter 7, verse 23, as a result of all this pre uh, pre-work and pre-doctrinal truths that he's been giving them. Now watch this. Now keep in mind, we read Leviticus 16 and Leviticus 23 with a Feast of Atonement. And they truly were many priests, talking about the Old Testament priests, because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. They couldn't continue every year. Why? They'd die. Why would they die? They were sinners. They had the curse on them. That's why you're going to die. All right? Watch verse 24. But this man, who's this man? Oh my goodness, we ought to preach on this man. Amen. It's talking about our Lord Jesus Christ right here. Because he continueth ever. Did you know Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and he dieth no more? He is alive forevermore. There'll never be another priest. Jesus Christ is our high priest. Watch this. Hath an unchangeable priesthood. Amen. Ain't going to be changed. It's settled forever. He's our high priest. He'll never die. And forever he'll be our high priest. Amen. Now watch this. I'll tell you what. We're ripping the ground up now. Watch that verse number 25. Wherefore. Why? Because Jesus is our high priest and lives forever. He is able. Amen. Also to save them. To the uttermost. The old preacher said, from the guttermost to the uttermost. Amen. 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 It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how deep in sin you've been. I tell you, we got a Savior that saves to the uttermost. Amen. You say, what's uttermost mean? It means uttermost. You go look it up. It sounds good to me. Amen. Uttermost. You know what that means? As far as you can imagine, as far as you can think, he saved you. He said, now watch this. Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Jesus said, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man come to the Father but by me. 
Jesus Christ here is you come to God by him. You somebody here today listening or hearing you say, I'd like to, I'd like to get reconciled to God. I'd like to be at one man with God. I'd like to be, be, have a relationship with the Lord. You got to come through Jesus. Amen. Now he said, he's able to save them to that. Most are coming to God by him seeing he ever liveth. Yeah. He ever liveth. Yeah. I'm going to tell you this is a secret. He is alive forevermore. To make intercession for them. I have a great high priest. His name is Jesus Christ. He is in the sanctuary. And he is interceding for me today. Amen. And then it says. Look at verse 26. For such an high priest became us. Who is holy. Harmless. Undefiled. Look at what it says. Separate from sinners. Made higher than the heavens. That's my high priest. He lives forever. He's able to save to the uttermost. He's holy. He's harmless. He's undefiled. He's separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. Look at verse 27. Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up who? Himself. You see, watch this. Jesus Christ is not only the offering, he's the offerer. Woo! Amen. I'll tell you what, verse number 28, for the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. But the word of the oath, that's God's word, which was since the law, maketh the son who is consecrated forevermore. In other words, forever and ever he'll be our high priest. Now watch chapter number eight. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the son. We have such an high priest who is set. What? Set. Why in the Old Testament those priests were never to sit down. They they didn't have no chair in that room. They couldn't sit down. Why? Because their work was never done. But when Jesus died, was buried and rose again and put his blood on the mercy seat, the true one in heaven, he sat down. When he's on the cross, he said, it's finished. You better get this. You better get this. Religion will always have you working and striving. I hope I make it to heaven. Oh, I'm hoping to make it. That's not true. You're either in Christ or you're not. You're either saved or you're not. You're not trying to go to heaven. You're trusting to go to heaven. Terry, I think there was something hooked up this morning, don't you? It ain't you trying to go to heaven. I grew up believing that if my good works outweighed my bad works, I might make it into heaven. Well, time I was 22 or 3 years old, I gave up on that and said, just well, get a fan in my hand and a summer shirt on because I'm headed to a hotter climate. Let me tell you something. If you're trusting how good you are, you'll bust hell wide open because the Bible said there's none good, no, not one. Well, look what it said there. We have such a high priest who is set. It's finished, amen. On the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens. Amen, minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. Up in heaven there is a tabernacle and there is a throne and you and I as sinners cannot approach holy God. But Jesus Christ died in our place and paid for our sins. And when you place your faith in him, you have access to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now he said this, for every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. Boy, did he ever. He was the perfect sinless lamb of God. 
His blood had never sinned. Then look here, verse number four. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou, God talking to Moses, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed thee in the mount. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry. Who? This great high priest, Jesus Christ. By how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Because they continued not in my covenant and regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. Watch this verse. Now listen to me. He specifically said the house of Israel. Somebody said this is Israel, not the church. That is not true. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to ask you this. Passover feast was given to who? Jewish people, the nation of Israel. But who does it apply to? Just them? No. Every feast through here, not just applies to Israel, but also applies to the church. And the, the believer in Jesus Christ. Now, here's what we get. Watch this. Get this. This new covenant that our great high priest made, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And they will, I will be to them a God and they should be a people. Now, let me tell you how you know you're saved or not. When a person by faith in a crucified, buried, and risen Savior, who is our great high priest, who has finished the redemptive work and has set down the majesty of the throne on high, when a person puts their faith in Him and have been born again of the Spirit of God, now you listen to me, the Holy Ghost of God then writes His laws in their mind and in their heart. It is, you kids listen to me. Everybody listen to me. It is not a bunch, Christianity is not a bunch of do this and don't do that and do this and don't do that. It is not a bunch of rules. It is not legalism. It is not bondage. It is when the Holy Ghost of God does such a work in you that nobody's ever got to tell you don't steal. Why? Because the law has been written in your mind and in your heart and you love, it's the law of love. And because you love, you don't want to steal. Amen. Amen. Right. You do not need the law. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Why? Because of the higher law of love that has been written on your mind and written on your heart. And you don't need a tablet or a statute from Missouri legislature telling you, don't do that. It is written on your heart. And I'm telling you right now, this is the difference between somebody really being saved and somebody who's putting on the dog. The Holy Ghost will write his laws upon your mind and your heart and you will with joy want to obey God. That does not mean that your flesh will not fight you. Your flesh never changes. It's just as filthy, rotten, and low down as it was the day you got saved. But if you've been born again in the Spirit of God, listen to me, please. 
The thing that burdens my heart studying the Feast of Atonement is it scares me to death, Brother Jason. I, I'm, I'm literally convinced most people that think they're saved are not saved. What it's telling us is this, is that the work of the Holy Spirit, you won't feel like I got to go to church. You want to. It changes from I have to do this, from drudgery and bondage to I love the Lord and I want to do that. Yes, I'll have spiritual warfare with my flesh and the world and the devil. But my heart, where the laws of God are written on, wants to serve God. Yes. Loves to see people saved. Yes. Has a burden for the lost. Doesn't want to steal, commit adultery, lie, cheat, blah, 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 and all the other junk. Yeah. If, you, if your kids are, ever get born again, yeah. if you ever get born again, it will change your life. Why? Because somebody lives inside. Amen. There is a new creature born of the Spirit of God. Well, let's keep going. I like this here. Verse 15. Well, verse, where am I at anyway? I'm sorry, verse number 11. Verse, they shall not teach every man his neighbor, every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know but from the least to the greatest. Now he's actually going, moving on up to the Feast of Tabernacles here. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. Now I want you to watch this. And their sins and iniquities, while it do what? Remember what? Now I'll tell you something I can about remember everyone I ever committed. Uh, maybe, I'm sure I can't, but I remember plenty of them. Your Bible says that when you were saved, one of the things that the high priest did for you in the atonement was that God remembers your sins no more. Y'all say hallelujah right there. Amen. Y'all say bless God Almighty. Listen, we're talking about atonement. We're talking about reconciliation. We're talking about being reunited to God. And when God reunites you, he doesn't, he doesn't got that hanging over you. I'm going to tell you, some of you out there that are saved this morning, you're just, the devil comes at you every stinking day of your life and tries to weight you down with your past. Why are you worrying about it when God ain't? Amen. Did Jesus pay for your sin with his blood or didn't he? When are we going to get there? You know what our problem is? We're religious and self-righteous. Come and we on. still think it's kind of up to us. On, the day they ever hits you, it ain't up to you. And that's all up to Jesus. It's going to be a happy day in your world. Amen. Look what he said there in verse number 13. Friend, that he saith the new covenant. He hath made the first old now with that which he caeth. And waxed a little ready to vanish away. Chapter 9. Ver, then verily. That means he really means it. Amen. The first covenant also had ordinance of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle. We've been talking about where it made the first, wherein was the candlestick, the table, the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. Which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold. Wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. And over it, the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. What's he doing here? He's trying to get these people to see the superiority of the priesthood of Jesus Christ over the priesthood of the Ju- Judaism. All right? You can say, well, that's not a light. That's not. I'm going to tell you, remember what I said. Getting you to leave your old religious ways is tougher than you think. Yeah. In verse number seven, 
But into the second went the high priest. Here's the day of atonement back in Leviticus 16 and 23. In the second went the high priest alone once every year, the 10th day of the seventh month, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. Verse number eight. Everybody tie in here. We're just going to do some teaching. And I don't tell you, I could care less, man. I tell you, I'm so wound up like an eight day clock. I don't care what the devil thinks about it. Amen. Verse number eight. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all, the presence of God now, was not yet made manifest while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. This takes care of the issue about, this is where you learn, you study the other passage of scripture about what happened to people that died before Jesus rose from the dead. They went to that saved people that died for Jesus. All your Old Testament saints on up to the resurrection went to a place called paradise, not to heaven. And there's a reason for that because they could not enter into the presence of God in the true tabernacle in heaven because the blood of the sacrifice of the Messiah had not been yet applied. And so that's, the, so that's, why, that's why Jesus told the thief on the cross, he said, today shalt thou be of me in paradise, not heaven. And the Bible teaches Jesus descended into the heart of the earth and he led captivity captive. He brought all those Old Testament saints up once he had applied his blood to the mercy. And those people then had access to the presence of the very presence of God Almighty. Nobody for all of time and eternity could enter into the presence of Almighty God without the blood of the Lamb of God having paid for the sins of the people. So. He gets in there, verse number seven, verse number eight, the Holy Ghost signifying the way in the post of all was not yet manifest while at first, as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a what? A figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them by that back in Old Testament until the time of reformation when Jesus came. Now, how many has ever been in a hot rod? How many has been in something with a, how many has ever been in a car with a 427 Chevy engine with a three barrel Harley carburetor and, a, and an Ellsbrock manifold with an electric fuel pump? How many knows what I'm talking about? Oh my. You're just going down the road and you're womp, 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 you know, and all of a sudden you hit that thing and you flip on that electric fuel pump. Brother Randy, tell me what's going to happen. It's going to jump, amen. That car will jump. I've been in drag races. I shouldn't tell this. but I've been sitting in drag races with people at drag racing. And they flip that electric fuel pump on, buddy. I'm going to tell you something. That car just leap out because that gas hits that three barrel. That three barrel opens up and that car takes off, amen. That's what we're getting ready to do. We're getting ready to hit the electric fuel pump right now. Amen. Look at verse number 11. But Christ. But Christ. Becoming an high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building. Neither by the blood of goats and calves. Straight back to the atonement. But by what? His own blood. He did what? He entered in again and again. What? Once. Where? Into the holy place. Having obtained what? Amen. Now I'm going to say something make you denominational windbags matter in the hornet. So just get ready to get heated up. But if you're Jesus, 
doesn't save you eternally, you need to find the real Jesus. If your Jesus can get, if if your Jesus lets you out of his hand and you can die and go to hell after you supposedly were saved, you need to find the Bible Jesus. Amen. I'll tell you what, I got a bunch, we're just a bunch of religious goats in America. Oh, we believe in Jesus. He's kind of a self-help guru. You know, he helps me get to heaven. That's debasing. Let me tell you who purchased and obtained your salvation. Jesus did. And he obtained some kind of, what kind of redemption? Eternal. What's that mean? Forever. Forever. If it's eternal, I'm asking you a stupid question. If it, if it can ever stop, was it eternal? No. Now I'll tell you why some of you ain't happy. Because you're still trying to self-help your way to glory land. Oh, you still think it's how good you live. Yeah. You still think it's just, man, you know, and you've got to. Now I know all them verses. I know all them verses. Either the earth or the end shall be saved, bless God. Yeah, why don't you put in its context right? Yeah. And why don't you ever preach on the verses that don't match what you believe? Come on. Amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you something right this morning. You said, Reggie, what are you happy about? I am happy that I have a new covenant with a new high priest who lives forever, who went into the holy place with his own blood and obtained eternal redemption. Who for? Look at it. For us. Watch this. Romans 8. If God be for us. Who can be against it? Well, the devil could be against it. Yeah, he is. But greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. When are we going to grab hold of what we have in Jesus Christ and quit moping our way to glory land? Somebody says, you think you're going to heaven? Well, I'm going to try. Quit trying. I've never heard like this. But how you doing? Well, I'm hanging in there. Quit hanging in there. Amen. Get inside the ark. Right, amen. amen. Woo! Get inside the ark. Can you imagine somebody taking a big old spike nail and driving it on the outside of the ark? <laughs> you ain't hanging on. You get washed off in 15 minutes and you know it. Get in the ark. If we wasn't in a dead church, somebody would be a shouting by now. I, you know, I ain't trying to get you a shout, but I'll tell you something right now. Somebody, some of you are so sick. I mean, if your child shot a three-point made it, you'd jump off the bleachers. But you won't jump off the bleachers about Jesus dying for your sin. That shows you where you're at. You're good. You got mixed up priorities, amen. I'm going to tell you right now, there's nothing that'll make. The Bible said, hey, the Bible didn't say there was joy in the presence of the angels in heaven over somebody made a three-point. No. Amen. That's right. When are we ever going to get our priorities and the truth straight in our brain? Amen. That there's nothing greater than Jesus died for our sins and saved us and gave us an eternal inheritance. And I'm going to tell you something. The older I get, the worse it gets. I'm a worse sinner dog now than I was when I got saved. I tell you, I'm so sorry, low down and wicked. If you people knew how wicked I was, you would not sit here and listen to me. Yep. That's fact. Yep. Did you know why you do? Because you're just as wicked as I am. Amen. 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 Now I'm going to tell you something right now. I am resting. I am resting in what he did. Amen. Not in what I'm trying to do. Amen. I'll tell you something. I'm going to bless his holy name. Amen. I'm going to praise his holy name. Amen. I'm going to glorify his holy name. Amen. Let me give you some something this morning. You were created 
for his glory. You were not created to see how much money you could gather up. Woo! A train of coming down the glory land tracks. Amen. You were created for his glory. And all that God's trying to do in your life right now is to wake you up to that. I'll tell you what. I mean, tell you something. Eternal redemption. Let's look what it said. What's verse 13? For the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean and sanctified to the purifying the flesh. That's back in Numbers 19. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And I'd like to say this, purge you from dead Christianity and dead religion to serve the living God. Amen. Amen. Do you want to know what's really going on in this church? The Holy Ghost of God has quickened people in this church to cause them to want to serve the living God, not because Reggie said to, but because the Holy Ghost told them to and put a desire in their heart. Amen. Amen. What do you think these kids are up there? Oh, Tobias, where are you at? Where you at, Tobias? Good land. What are you doing back here in the back seat? Well, this guy, he'll do good. I'll tell you something right now. You go to Liberty Faith Church, don't you? You get, your, you get yourself out next Saturday and you get to witness to people. Or I'm going to preach the socks off you next Sunday morning. Do you understand me? <laughs> that ain't what it is. It's the Holy Spirit. That's a, if I was him, I wouldn't be back for 67 Sundays. Amen. <laughs> The Spirit of God does something. I have never even asked those kids to go out. I have never said, you know, what do you kids think about going and doing visitation? That'd be a wonderful thing for you to do. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. on." How many knows that preachers, you know why there's preachers burned out all of the United States and leaving one church after another? Because they're trying to do what only God can do in the hearts and minds of people. I'm going to tell you something, I can't save you, I can't convict you, I can't make you want to serve God. But the Holy Ghost of God does when He comes and lives inside you. And when you realize who Jesus is and realize what you are to Him and what you ought to be to Him, that'll make you want to serve him. In fact, I'll tell you what you'll be doing. You'll be saying, Lord, here am I, send me. Lord, what can I do for you? Lord, what can I, you know what makes this church go? It's people with that kind of heart who are constantly saying, Lord, what can I do for you in this body of believers? Amen. Well, verse number 15. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament. That by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of temporary inheritance. What kind of inheritance? Eternal. Hey, look at, put up Hebrews 5, 9, just, just to kind of put the icing on the cake. Hebrews 5, now look at this. And being made perfect, talking about Jesus, he became the author what kind of salvation? It's the only kind he authors. It's the only kind he gives. He does not give temporary part-time off and on salvation. 
Now let me tell you something. A lot of people say they're saved or not saved, and the Bible is explicit about that. They went out from us because they were not all of us. If they had been of us, no doubt would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be made manifest that they were not all of us. And over and over again, God makes you understand that if you're Christ, you will endure because of Christ who lives in you, not because of your power. Well, let's go on down here. Verse number 16 in chapter number 9. For where a testament is, there must also be the death of the testator. That's Jesus Christ. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, there's no strength at all while the testator liveth. I have a will, Karen, and I have a trust, and it's of no force till we die. God had a will, and Jesus died and kicked that testament into activity. That New Testament, saved by his blood. And that testament is in effect right now. The Bible said, verse number 19, For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water of that church. Leviticus 16 were read, and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book of all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God has enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled the blood both of the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. But, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ, watch this. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the truth, that tabernacle that Moses pitched, but into heaven itself. Now you listen to me this morning. Into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God Amen. for us. Amen. You, know why, you know what made the Holy Ghost call David a man after God's own heart? After he had sinned and murdered and done everything inconceivable? Was that David trusted in the mercies of God? Yeah. You know what the Bible said? Watch this. He knoweth our frame, but we were dust. Yeah. Yes, he does. And he pitieth us as a father pitieth his children. A what? A what? A father pitieth his children. New birth. God's not talking about you before you got saved. He's talking about you after you got saved. God knows that you may mean well and you want to live right and you want to do right. But God also knows that you live in a house of clay. And you have a fleshly nature and you're living in a sinful world. And you're not going to live perfect. And I'm so glad that he pitieth us. As a father, I want to give you some encouragement. I know you come up here and you probably come in every Sunday morning and go, don't tell them what he preach on this week. I want you to know something. Down behind all of my rough preaching is a heart that is so appreciative of the mercy of God. And I don't want you to ever go to this church without realizing that God is merciful to you. I hate to tell you this. There's some of you young people sitting here are going to do things right now. If I told you, 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 you say, I will never do that. But you're going to. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not saying you have to, but it's probably likely. Yeah. You're probably going to do there, there, there may be dads or mothers in here. And you, you'd say, well, I, I would never do that. You don't know that. Amen. But if you're truly a child of God, I want you to remember something. That his mercy is new every morning. Yes, and you get messed up. And you'll just kneel down beside your bed and you say, God, you said your mercy was new every morning. And I need mercy. It's there for you. But let me tell you why it's there. Because there's a mercy seat where our great high priest sprinkled his own blood and made an atonement for our sin that you and I could be at one with God. Redeemed and reconciled. And I'm going to tell you right now, I wouldn't trade that 
as my daddy used to say, for a farm in Texas. Well, let's go on. Anybody know where we're at? You're in Norwood, right? Nor yet that he should offer himself often as a high priest entering the holy place, verse 25. For then must he have often suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, how many times? Once. In the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin. How does God put away sin? By the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin and the salvation. Chapter 10, for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of things can never with these sacrifices which they make, they offered year by year, come and make and the comers there too perfect. For then would they have not ceased to be offered? Because the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is remembrance again made of sins every year. For, watch verse number four, everybody. Please stay with me. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offerings for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst thou pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said he, talking about Christ the Messiah, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, the first covenant, the first covenant law, that he may establish the second, this covenant of grace. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. How? Once for all. Did you know there's a song? Once for all. I don't know what this message is to you. I don't know what it is to a lost man. I don't know what it is to a saved man. But to a lost man, it ought to give you hope that there is salvation, eternal salvation in Jesus Christ. If you're saved, it ought to make you realize to rest in Jesus, what he's done. Verse number 11, every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. See, that's what that scapegoat, when they sent him out in the wilderness, is a picture of Christ carrying our sins away. But this man, verse 12, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, look at it. Mark that verse in your Bible. But this man, Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, what did he do? He sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies should be made his footstool. Brother, that's coming. Verse 14, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And if I was you today, here's what I'd do. While I'm preaching, finishing up right here, I'd have a talk with the Lord. If you're here today and it seemed like a burden to you to serve Jesus Christ and it's troublesome for you to be a Christian, I'd bow my head and I'd say, God, I don't want religion. I want Jesus today. And I want you to do a work of the Holy Spirit in me that writes your word and your laws upon my heart and in my mind that will change me into a person who delights and desires to do your will, Lord. There's a difference, folks, I'm telling you. Verse 17, their sins and iniquities will I what? Remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin. 
Now, folks, this is a very important statement here because people tend to think that it's how they live, what they do as an offering for their sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest, how? By the blood of, give me some volume, boys, if you don't care. By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. That veil was rent from top to bottom when Jesus said it's finished and man had access into the holiest of holies through the blood of Jesus. Verse 21, and having a high priest over the house of God. And I tell you what, I'm so thankful this morning that I have a high priest. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance. How draw near to him? A true heart. Don't be playing games with God. But he wants us to have full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's the word of God. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now I want you to watch verse 26. This verse is used out of context more than any verse I know in the Bible. For if we sin willfully after that we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Here's what he was saying to those Hebrew people. If you come up from Judaism to the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you reject that, there's nothing left for you. There's nothing left. There's no other place you can go for forgiveness. There's nothing to turn to. There's nowhere to go. If we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for judgment, fire, and indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Watch verse 29. Of how much sore punish suppose ye shall he be thought worthy of trodden underfoot the Son of God? And hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing had done despite in the spirit of grace. Here it is. You may be here this morning, you're thinking about being saved, or you're not saved, and you think everybody thinks you're saved or whatever, but you come, you're, you're sitting there right now and you're thinking, man, I, 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 I want out of this dead religion. I want, I want out of this facade. I want Christ, and I don't give a rip who, who thinks about anything about me. But you listen to that, the devil tells you, and you pull back. God says nothing. There's no other place you can go. But it gets worse than that. Please listen to me here. Because at that point, you are doing despite unto the spirit of grace. And you are trampling on the blood of Jesus Christ. And you're telling God the Father that his son's death and his shed blood is of no value to you. And I'm going to turn around and I'm going to walk out that church door. And I'm going to walk on the blood of Jesus Christ and I'm going to do despite to the spirit of grace and God said this of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy God gave his son and if you think for one moment that he's going to mess with you in rejecting his son you're not, you're not, oh, well, I just don't want to. No. I'm going to tell you something right now. This is the severest warning I know of nearly in Scripture about people who reject. You say, I ain't going to get saved today. That's just not what you're, that ain't, that ain't all of it. What you're saying is, I don't need Christ. And I reject it. And he could spill his blood from now to glory land. And I don't, I could care less. It, that blood means nothing to me. 
the only thing that could save you from hell and the wrath of God, Amen. and it means nothing to you. Amen. What? Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy? Who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and counted the blood of the covenant an unholy thing and despite of the Spirit of grace. I don't want everybody to listen to me. They will listen to me. And you, you die without Jesus Christ. You're going to stand before God Almighty someday. And I'll tell you what's going to be the question. is What did you do with his son? What did you do with his son's blood? What did you do with his son's sacrifice? And I want to tell you something further today. There's something that might be as dangerous or more dangerous than that. And that is putting on the dog that you're a Christian. But really, in truth, you're going to live life like you want to. And you disobey the word of God every week of your life. And you just blatantly in the face of God, you claim to be saved. But there's nothing in your heart that of an obedient spirit and desiring to please and walk with God and obey the word of God. I want to tell you something. I don't know how many years I've got left. But if I was preaching my last message today, and it could be. God, help me to pour my soul out to your soul. That if you're not saved, today should be your day. Look at verse number 30. For we know him that has said, vengeance is mine. That has said, vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord should judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated. Now he's telling them, listen, remember some things. You were illuminated. You learned about Christ. You endured a great fight of afflictions. Partly whilst you were made a gazing stock both by reproaches and afflictions. And partly while you became companions of them that were so used. Mm. If somebody needs to go and you've got Father's Day deal, you, you feel free to leave. But I'm going I'm to tell you something. One of the things I didn't understand when I surrendered to preach was this issue of gazing stock and reproaches. The truth about it is, if you really stack up, you really stand up what the Bible says, you're going to lose a lot of friends and a lot of family. And the truth is, you know that down deep inside too, don't you? That's why you gauge, that's why you got a throttle on your Christianity. You don't want, you want, you don't want to really go you want to make sure you don't serve Christ enough to lose some friends. These people, you listen to me, these people had left Judaism and they had lost everything. Paul, when he was Saul, had right to arrest you and throw you into prison and kill you for being a Christian. That's how severe this thing was. And these people were being made gazing stocks and reproaches and afflictions partly whilst you became companions of those that were so used. For you had compassion of me and my bonds, he was in prison, and took joyfully, watch this, took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. I want to tell you a little something. I, I hope I'm wrong. But if history repeats itself, the first century church was persecuted unto death. Thrown in the lions, arrested, their all their earthly possessions confiscated by the government because they were considered a threat to government. And we will be too. 
I, I, it would not shock me if I lived long enough to see that being a Bible-believing Christian, not religious, but a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, there'll come a time when it'll cost you everything you got, even maybe under your life. But it said, you took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven. Where? In heaven. A better and an enduring substance. What did Jesus say? They can't take it. If you lay your treasures up in heaven, they ain't going to get it. Now, watch what he's telling these people. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Please look at that verse. Now, the reason I'm bearing down on this is because I thought, Brother Ralph, 20 years ago, that my walk and my service to God would get easier as I got older. I have never wanted to quit. I have never been so discouraged. I have never been so defeated. This is Father's Day. And from about 11 o'clock last night to the birth present, all I think I can do in my heart is grieve. And the devil comes to me constantly and says, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I'm not feeling sorry for myself. I'm not on a pity party. I'm just telling you the reality of your Christian faith is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. Because the further you go, the greater the trials will be. And what he's talking to these people here about is, listen, you're at the threshold. Don't turn around now. Don't go back to that stupid stuff. The disciples, remember all those people left Jesus? And, the, and Jesus turned to his disciples and said, will you also go away? And they said, where shall we go? That's the words of eternal life. What is there to turn back to? But I'm like, Lord, boy, I'm glad I didn't know these things when I got saved and to preach. I'd have never done it. And I'm just telling y'all something today. The message here is, it's worth it. Look what, he, look what he says. Verse 36, for you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come, what? will come and will not tarry. He's coming. Now watch verse 38. Now the just shall live by how well they're feeling. The just shall live by how much money they got in the bank. The just shall live by how healthy they are. The just shall live by how good it's going in life. How do the just live? Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by what? The word of God. Now watch this. Now the just shall live by faith. Watch this. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. He's warning these, Juda- these, these Jewish people that are on the threshold of leaving Judaism to Christ. And those that, and these, watch this. Thank God for verse 39. But we are not of them which draw back unto perdition. Some of you, Ronnie Simpson was here preaching at the uh, camp meeting. And I heard him preaching one time say, if you can quit on God, go ahead, quit. 
Yeah. Quit. But he said, I will tell you something. I've been in this long enough to know that if you're saved and called of God, you can't quit. Amen. And the reason you can't quit is not because you're tough or you have a strong will. It's because somebody lives in you Amen. who does never quit. Amen. That's it. And so we're not of them which draw back unto perdition, but of them that what? Believe to the saving of the soul. Ah, oh, mercy. Boy, oh boy, are we having fun? It's 1231. The biscuits are burnt. <laughs> Feast of atonement. What he did for us that we could be reconciled to God. 